Welcome back, everybody. This is podcast number 56, and we uh, haven't recorded for about probably a week or so. Um, so we're gonna we're trying to get a few done here. Ben is back to school, so schedule has been a challenge for us um, to kind of figure out. And I think it's a I think it's kind of one of those things that is you can relate to and apply to um, when it comes to. I talk with a lot of people that have issues with. Oh, I don't know how to. Um, consistently work with my dog and I, you know, scheduling becomes an issue. And I, I am not an exception to that. My, my schedule is, is, um, complex. It's, it's not, it's not real consistent. Um, so that makes it more difficult for me from a training standpoint, makes it a lot more difficult for me from a training standpoint than it would be if I was very, um, routine scheduled of, I knew every day I was doing the same thing over and over again. I don't think that's un, I don't think that's out of the ordinary. I think most people have that. And, and I, I can't use it as an excuse. And, and I tell people not to use it as an excuse. So, um, but one of the things that is, is fluid and has been changing with us is our schedule. And that affects major things with projects that we're doing. Podcast is one of them. Um, Bella Be Good is one of them. Um, we've got a couple other projects in the works that I'm really excited about that Ben and I are working on. But with him changing and going back from over break where he worked basically every day, um, he was in the in with us at the uh, shop every day and had pretty consistent hours. To now, it's much much less and they're m- much more spread out, and so it just creates some issues. And so we have we've been trying to figure it out for the last two weeks, and we we have not figured it out. We need to we need to. Um, so with that being said, the. We haven't recorded a bunch of these. We're trying to now. He's here this afternoon, so we're going to do a couple. But we also got a bunch of Bella Be Goods to do. And we also, well, not a bunch, but we got one to do. And then we've got a project for Whitetail Properties for Shed Rally to do. And we've got a um, bunch of different moving parts and things. We're trying to figure out how do we streamline and become effective with the hours that we've got here. So we're faced with challenges, no different. Um, those are That can be said about everything I do with Bella. You know, I... I, I had an opportunity last week. I went down and trained with a friend of mine, um, in, and it was great. It was eye-opening. For four and a half hours, we talked. We didn't even take the dogs out. We just we just talked. Um, sometimes for me, it, I just need to, to dump a lot of the things that are on my mind and start to prioritize and strategize how I'm going to be able to get things done. So I'm, I'm, I'm venting to you guys um, like a therapy session here of, man, I'm just so overwhelmed. Well, that's going to lead us into this question because um, I am taking this one. This episode is going to be based off of an email that I got. Um, I haven't even responded back to the guy yet. And well, in fact, I got the email at um, February 14th. So I got it about a week ago, not quite a week ago. Um, and I'm just finally getting to responding back to him. So that's something too that I think is important for you guys to understand. The as we continue to go, more and more emails, more and more direct messages. First off, don't message me on my personal Facebook page. That's just a clear. That's just a something I need. I don't hardly ever say that, but I don't use my personal Facebook very often. Um, it's personal, and so it's you know I use it. I use it for some family stuff more often than not. Um, I don't even hardly. I don't. I don't get more friends on it anymore because I just don't. I don't. I don't. I, I, I have a hard time managing the Facebook accounts that we have with our business stuff, with Hoed Egg, with with Dogbone, and my personal one is far set 
on the back burner. So don't message me on my personal. If you if you're a friend or whatever and you can send it to me and it gets to me, I don't hardly I miss so much stuff there I hardly ever check it. Um, the the business one is is good. Um, our our email my email is good. I get that. I always open those. Instagram is good. Instagram messaging is good. Um, so I got this through an actual email. Now this email went to a junk email. So that's part of why I it was sent to me on February 14th. I don't check the junk email every day. I get probably a handful of of emailed questions that somehow don't infiltrate my email that get put into the spam or junk. So I have to go back and check that every once in a while. Um, the majority of the stuff that goes in there is junk, but this, this went in there and this was actually an email that was sent to our website, I believe is how he ended up emailing the contact us on our website. So be patient with me. I get, I'm getting back to just about everybody. And if I do miss you, it's not intentionally. It's because it slipped through the cracks because I'm literally trying to sift through about five or six different ways of receiving messages. So again, that's complicated. Um, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just explaining uh, where I'm at. But I got this message, went into my junk spam, opened it up. It's long. It's I'm going to read it to you. Um, I'm going to I'm going to judge it based on how what I'm reading. Um, so I'm going to make some assessments of that and I'll explain to you. But it's a it's quite a question. Um, it's a lot of stuff, and I thought, there's no way in hell I can answer this back in an email because it will take me way too long. So we're turning it into a podcast. I sent the guy an email. Um, his name is uh, Brian, and I sent Brian an email back, and I said, hey, do you listen to our podcast? Because I'm going to turn this into a podcast. I'll send you a link to the podcast if you don't listen to it. So, um, and, and I asked him for his T-shirt size because this question is a good one. We're going to send him a T-shirt for thanking, thanking him for helping us out with content. But I'm going to read it to you. And, it's, and I'll give you my thoughts on it after I read it to you. I'll, I'll try my best not to um, break it down as we go. But I may end up having to read it back to you because this is a long one. And the way it's written is real telling to me um, right off the bat. So here I go with it. I'm going to read it word for word so you understand exactly what I'm reading. I'm getting a German short hair pointer in May. I've trained two other dogs, but never had a clue. Just got lucky with the great dogs. I want to train this one properly. I've been watching a ton of your videos, and I'm going to be buying a bunch of your training items, including the elevated placemat. I have a few questions. Love to chat with you about it if you ever get a second. I've included my email and phone number. If you have a chance to love, I'd love to chat. Just an idea of the questions I have. I've watched a bunch of Live with Spry and Bella Be Good, mostly the younger episodes, but when putting them on place, I never see you use a word. Just set them there and correct if they try to leave. To get them off place, when you are ready to do, you use their name or a command, question mark. And how do you know to stay on place if they don't have their elevated bed you set them on? When my dog is full grown, I can't just pick them up and carry him to a corner and set him there. What is the place command? Question mark. I want my dog to be a tool. The goal is shed antlers, but also birds. If I can cross train, sheds are number one goal. If they come natural, birds are a bonus. But I also want a buddy. Do you keep your dogs kenneled up at night? Do you let them hang out with you while relaxing at night? And if so, how do I control the puppy chaos and not let him learn bad habits while being free to be a puppy? 
and I'm self-employed, work crazy hours, will it be better for me to keep a kennel in my truck and take the pup to job sites so I can let him out to pee on a regular basis? With my job, it's hard to say I'm going to be home at 3. I get home when I come to a stopping point that allows me to come home, some days earlier than others. I know you say dogs like stability, but it's just not possible with my line of work. Again, all just questions I have come up with by watching your a ton of your YouTube videos. I appreciate you taking the time to post them, and I love the way you train dogs. Thanks again. I look forward to the opportunity to chat with you and use your products. Okay, so if you're still with me on that, I want you to realize that that entire block was probably a total of about five or six sentences. It literally was an ongoing comma, 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 comma. And I don't think it was on accident. I think the guy had a lot of things in his mind. I think he had a lot of questions. These questions, as I look back on it, they're a little sporadic. They're, they're in a lot of different areas, but they're not even broken up into individual sentences, much less paragraphs or, or any type of separation. They're not compartmentalized. They're one big sentence. And so that alone, now maybe it's on accident. Maybe he, you know, maybe he typed it out on his phone and it's hard for him. It was hard to, you know, I, I when I send a message on, if I, I, I rarely email using my phone because there's a lot of auto-correcting going on. Um, it never looks the way I want it to look. It's hard for me to thumb it out. It's little, um, it's frustrating. It's time consuming. I end up, it doesn't end up delivering the message I want. Maybe that's what happened here. I don't think so, um, because it did come through. It did come through our website, and I don't know that he could have done that through his phone. But either way, if you look at the message right now and you reread it, and I reread it, like I read it, I struggled because it's just worded a little difficult to read fluently. It's not like someone would talk. I don't think um, in regular conversation. It's certainly a lot of long, ongoing sentences that jump all over the place. So it's hard for me to like focus through and read it. Now, my thought process is that's probably his approach to training right now. And the reason is, is because he doesn't have his stuff together. It's not organized. His mind is a mess. He's got all these different things that he's worried about and wanting to work on with the dog. And they're all kind of overlapping and they need to be separated. There needs to be clarity. He talks about being, there's some puppy chaos. I think there's chaos in this plan. There's chaos in this strategy. So I do think it's very, very important. And I think it more and more these days to remain organized. I'm making a point of becoming more organized. Part of it is because of the meeting, I, uh, the, the buddy that I trained with the other day. Um, I've never seen someone so organized. Now, he he has a different he definitely has a different style of learning than I do as well. Maybe maybe not maybe I would benefit from it, but I just I've never done it. He's a very much a note taker. He writes a lot of notes. Um, when he writes stuff, he retains it. So he takes he reads a lot and then he writes it and kind of jots notes down. And sometimes it's just word for word for what was in the book. But by him writing it and putting it on paper, it sticks in his mind permanently. So he takes something that he absorbs through reading and then he writes it and then he, it sticks. And so I think it's a really good way. Um, it's just, I've never done that and maybe I should try it. And maybe it's for different reasons that I don't do it, but it's a learning style. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think what it really shows me and what really stood out about it was he's super organized. 
And so that organization leads to efficiency. That efficiency leads to results. Where right now I'm reading this, I'm going to reread it and go back into it because I'm going to start answering some of the questions and I'm going, it's a freaking mess. It's just a jumbled up bunch of stuff that first off has to get sorted out. I think a lot of people, when it comes to areas in their life that they're not real familiar with or accustomed to, dog training might be that for you guys. For It, it was for me for a long time. It still is in a lot of ways. There's, I'm still working on cleaning up my thought processes. I'm still working on cleaning up my, my, my actual skill set, the things that I put into these dogs, the sequences that I put it in. The, I'm adjusting it all the time. It's not a complete mess by any means, but it does need to be constantly worked on and, and, and polished and pruned and trimmed and you know, use whatever type of analogy you want, but it's a constant ongoing thing. This is a dramatic um, pot that's full of a bunch of stuff and it needs to be separated out. So I'm going to start to break down. So I think that this this can be a mindset that a lot of people have when it comes to dogs or anything that's new to you. If you've never, you know, if you've never been a carpenter before and you go on a job site for the first time, there's a lot of different carpenter activities that take place on a job site day to day in an 8-hour day. And if you jump into all of it and decide you need to master them all at once, you're going to sink. You'll never make it. You better learn the basics first and then build off of that and then build off of that. And as your general consensus and understanding of the trade makes sense and where and how it connects to other parts and pieces of a job site or a building process, well, then it all of a sudden starts to make sense. I think you can apply that to whatever it is you do for work. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're a factory worker. I don't care if you're a whatever, name it, a mechanic, um, a welder, a computer engineer, um, whatever the whatever profession is. I don't care what it is. Think about your first day at work. Think about how knowing nothing about your trade and how it felt. And then think about three months later, six months later, five years later, 10 years later, if you're old enough, 20 years later. You became really good at it by that time. But it's because you practiced it every single day and you figured out all the parts and pieces, where they connected, how they connected, and you became a lot lot more organized, a lot more efficient. That's what has to happen with dog training. This guy is like the first day at the office. Now, he even says here, I've trained two other dogs, had no clue, just got lucky. Now, I doubt it's 100% luck. I think a lot of times you create your own luck, but you might be right. Um, you know, if you, I, I like that you're honest enough to say I had no clue. You probably had some clue. You probably had more clue than you really realized, but at least you're looking to go, I want to get better because if I get better, the dog will get better. So now let's start out by breaking this down because he talks early on about place training. He talks about, um, some of the mechanics of place training. So, and, and that is something that we can compartmentalize this message and break it down. So I'm going to reread the first part, and I'm going to try to break it apart without a long-running sentence. So he's got this German short hair um, that he's getting in May. So he's a couple, he's a couple months out yet. Um, let's see. I have a few questions. Okay. If you watched a lot of Live with Brian Bell, it'd be good, mostly the younger episodes. When I'm putting them on place, I never see you use a word. It's because the word doesn't mean anything. So when I start out on place, place training, which place training is covered in 
puppy DVD, right? Yep. So we cover it in the puppy DVD as well. It's one of those core fundamental skills that I think makes life a lot easier. Um, the upside, I've had actually this question quite a bit. What's the purpose of place training? I see you do it a lot. And I had two or three people ask that in the last week. Um, not necessarily questioning it, just wondering, what do you actually get out of it? Well, I get a lot out of it from a, a sense of um, peace of mind, knowing that I've got a place that dog can be. It's not like I'm asking the dog to sit on remote sit. Remote sit means you just sit, you don't do anything. You can't, you can't move around. When I put them on place, I'm not asking them to be a statue. Uh, they can f- move about freely. They just can't come off of that spot. And so if I position that spot, the place, in the right location, it, it allows them to not get into stuff. They can't get into chewing on stuff. They can't get into wrecking stuff. They can't be peeing and pooping in the house if they're on their place because they're on their place. They're, they're, they're restricted to a small area, but they also have the freedom to get up and move around a little bit. They can lay down if they want. They can roll over if they want. They can stand up. They can do stuff like that on there. They just can't run about free. So it's, it's a level of control <clears throat> That's not asking them to do things that are unrealistic. It's unrealistic for these young to, for me to ask these young dogs to sit on a remote sit for an hour at a time. My older dogs, I should be able to do that with. But I certainly can't go from one minute to one hour. I have to incrementally add to it and make sure that that remote sit is a strong enough habit to overcome a lot of outside distractions. This There's a lot of outside distractions that this bed helps the dog overcome it because of the physical perimeter. It's elevated. I had a gal that was really struggling with place training. We went back and forth on some, and I might even incorporate that into a podcast in the future, but she sent a video. Dog dog was creating some issues, but she was using a big pillow. And the problem was, I said, partially, I think it's your setup. And so it was not only the pillow and not being an elevated, clear perimeter, but it also was the idea of where it was. It was in an area that the dog got off and ran off and she couldn't catch it. Um, so y- you need to have it in a spot that's right. You got to have the right thing there. So elevated is important. A clear, hard edge. The dog clearly has to step down to get off. You can. It allows you to be a much better with your timing for correction and for praise. So the bed itself makes a big difference. So I think, so this, this person was saying, you know, you never say any words when you put the puppy on it. No, I don't because the words don't mean anything. First, I have to get a behavior. Then I'll tie the behavior to a, a command. So place, I tell my dogs to get on their place, get in your spot, get up. I, I use a variety of different words with my older dogs and they go and search out their place and they get up on it or they go into their kennel. I say kennel up, they go into their kennel. I go, get in your place, get up. They'll get up on their bed. So I use it later. So if you continue to watch some of these videos, Brian, you will see that. But early on, no, I don't. I pick the dog up. I set the dog on the bed. There's really no reason to tie it to a command at that point. Command, the verbal doesn't really mean anything. Got to get the behavior formed first. Then we'll connect that with a cue. So then it says you just set them there and correct it if they try to leave. Yes, that is the key. It's the timing. It's not just in the correction, but it's also in the praise. I think a lot of times we end up overemphasizing we get really good at correcting dogs when they make mistakes. We forget to tell them they're good when they do it right. And the dog is looking to do something right for us. That's, that's the nice part about a dog. They want to make you happy. And when they do it right, you have to be there just as quickly with the cor- as you were with the correction if they did it wrong. So you're going to see, and I, I, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I let that slip. Um, doesn't mean you have to, and you have to be careful with the amount of pressure and the amount of praise. You can't put so much pressure on a dog that you break them, and break them down. 
can't shut them down. So you got to vary that amount. You got to, I always tell people you got to find the right level to get the change and that's it. And then the next time I hope to make it a little bit softer, a little bit softer, a little bit softer when it comes to the actual amount of pressure. When it comes to the praise, you got to be careful how much praise you give them as well. If you give them too much praise and you get them too excited, they boil over and lose control and everything is lost as far as the value of that training. If you measure the amount of praise you give them and you give them just enough that they understand that's what you wanted them to do, but it doesn't boil them over, it doesn't get them excited, doesn't lose their focus, that's the amount of praise you need. So sometimes the verbal good good. Sometimes that simple, simple little bit is enough. And that's all gauged and based on their body language. Um, you know, you see how they respond to it. Um, so so that that is how I start that out. Um, then he says, you get them off your place when you're ready to use their name or command. I don't call young dogs off a place. You'll never see me calling young dogs off a place. I, just, I don't call Bella off a place. Bella's 10 months old. I don't call her off place still. I go over to her and I heal her off. Before that, I go over and pick her up because I do think there needs to be early. She understands what place is now. Before she understood what place is, there needs to be a clear, defined understanding that that thing means you do not come off of it. You don't step off. It's hot lava below you. You can't put your foot on the ground. So what I'm going to do is to go turn that lava off and make it cool again is I'm going to put a black and white separation of when you can come on there and when you can come off of there. And I'll physically pick you up and set you down on the ground. And if, you, if I don't have control of you and you're too big and you're going to run off and create a lot of issues, you're going to have, be, you're going to have a lead on you. So I'm going to go over there, I'm going to put your lead on you, and I'm going to pick you up and set you on the ground. Or I'm going to put the lead on you and I'm going to tell you to heal and I'll heal you off if the dog is healing at that point. If the dog isn't healing at that point, you can't heal the dog off because the dog doesn't know what heal is. So these are all things that get stacked up layers on top of layers, on top of layers as your training process goes on. So how do I get them off? I go over and I pick them up, take them off. And or heal them off. And so that's, that's I'm, ne- I'm not going to call them off. Of, you, if you start calling your dog off a of place, then the dog comes off a of place and anticipates that, and then you get mad at it. And so what you are training something into the dog that you're going to have to now train out, you're going to have to now put pressure on. And I think if you avoid the issue in the first place, you avoid the need to put unnecessary pressure on dogs. That's an in general statement. It's specific when it comes to place training. Um, so then he says, and how do you know, how do they know to stay in place if they don't have their elevated bed you set them on? Well, that's part of it. So the elevated bed makes the difference. I just talked about the importance of having a clear, defined. Later on, you can translate place to other things. I've used pieces of cardboard in the shop. Uh, it's just a flat piece of cardboard set on the ground. Well, there's a, there's a color contrast to it. They visually can see it. I've got um, these rugs in our house. I've got a relatively big rug sitting next to me right now in front of the in front of the stove. I've put Bella on place there. And so she sees the definition of the rug versus the floor. And she gets right to the edge of the rug and she stays right there. She won't come off of it because she, re- she recognizes and transfers the idea of that's just another place. There's a clearly defined perimeter. It's not necessarily elevated. So, But early on, it's elevated because that makes it so much easier. And it makes it easier for me as a trainer to, to mark the timing correctly. The dog literally has to take a split second to step off of there, which gives me a chance to correct. The problem with the things that are the same elevation, if you just lay a mat down on the ground, the dog lays down on the mat after a while and they get bored, but their front foot, when they stretch out, actually hangs off the mat and is touching the ground. 
that's too gray. Should you correct? Should you not? Were you there when the dog laid down? Because you might have seen the dog lay down. And you went, oh, good, they're laying down. But you didn't notice that they laid down and the front paw actually was laying on the ground, not the bed. So then you missed it. So then what do you do? Go back and correct it later? If you correct it later, you're correcting them for something they don't understand. It's not connecting to the right action. So elevated is important early. You can transfer it later to anything you want. Or you can, you know, you can get creative with your elevations. I've, I've put dogs on stumps before. Just a cut off stump that's in the yard. An old piece of firewood that's a big log half log thing that's laying there put the dog up on it that's clear that's elevated it's defined you can transfer that you can transfer this behavior to lots of different places um when my dog is full grown i just can't pick him up and carry him to a corner and set him there why not and if you don't i mean how big is your dog and so i pick up i got 40 pound dogs i'll pick them up all the time um, so that, that's clear. And that's a very strong move. I don't have to do that every time because my dogs in the meantime have learned how to heal and they learned what heel position is. So I just tell them heal, they come into heel position instead of me having to pick them up and put them into heel position. So I think that if you get to the point where your dog is full grown, you can't pick them up and you don't have control at that point, you made some mistakes early on to not create the right habits and behaviors leading up to that point. You can't just wait for them to get big and then decide to start training them. You're going to get that puppy in May. May is when you start training it. The day you bring them home, you're going to start forming those habits. So what is the place command? Whatever you want it to be. I say place. I say get on your place. I say get on your spot. I say, you know, you can say whatever you want, but just you just got to be consistent with it. Um, then, you, then you go into, I want my dog to be a tool. The goal is shed antlers, but also birds if I cross train. Sheds are the number one goal. If they become natural birds, are a, if they come natural birds are a bonus. But I also want a buddy. Do you keep your, so? And this this is all one sentence that I just read. Like it's five different things talked about, and I'm still going on to six and seven because there's that much more before I see the end of that sentence. So let's break that down. Shed antlers. You want a shed dog and a bird dog. Can you cross train? Yes, I do it with all mine. Watch Bella be good. You're, you're already watching Bella be good. Watch Live with Spry. They all do multiple things. The skills themselves overlap greatly. So we just modify and make things cer certain parts of our training specific to certain objects. That's all it is. Um, then he said, so yes, you will need to make, you will need to do some things different when you get to doing some bird stuff. You will need to do something different when you get to sheds. You will need to do something different when it comes to tracking. You will need to do something different. Now you got in here, I also want a buddy. First and foremost, all our dogs are family dogs. So the family dog part is the same foundation necessary to be the shed dog. It's just the shed dog is an extra layer on top of it. The family dog part, the buddy that you're looking for, is the foundation. Dog that's well-behaved, well-mannered. So it's all, you're going to work all this stuff simultaneously towards the end goal. Um, let's see. Do you keep your dogs kenneled up at night or do you let them hang out with you relaxing at night? Well, it all depends. Under control, 100%, yes. Are they kenneled up? Sometimes. Are they with me on place? Sometimes. Are they laying? Last night I read a book and uh, Bella laid, laid in front of me on the ground and I rested my legs on top of her. It was two things. It was A, I kind of liked, touching the dogs. I enjoy their company. I, they're, they're, they're buddies of mine too. But the second thing is, is what I gained out of it was the dog laid there and I put my feet up on top of it. And that is a submissive thing. 
The dog understands who the leader is. When you can put your legs up on top of the dog and the dog doesn't squirm out and say, no, 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 you can't put your legs on me. If you allow that to happen, the dog is clearly telling you with some body language that you're not the leader. He's not going to let you be the boss. So I use those as opportunities to get little drills. Um, holding the dog when they're little on their back. That's a very submissive thing. If the dog won't let you hold them on their back in your arms and they squirm and they fuss and they don't want to get, they don't want to be put on their back, that's a clear sign of, of, of they, are, they are not looking to be submissive to you. So the, the leader is the leader. The follower follows. So those are all drills that you can do. So at night, you can build that training in while you're doing other stuff. But yeah, they hang out with me. I've got four dogs right now that are not one of them is in the kennel. They haven't been all day. And I haven't left my post here in my kitchen where I've been working on the computer. But they're all laying on a place. I've got every one of them on place um, in different spots. Two of them are laying on place together. So the they it just depends on the scenario and the situation. Um, then he says... How do you control the puppy chaos? You don't allow the chaos to take place. So how do I control the puppy chaos? Well, it's very easy. Maintain control. Don't, and it says here, and not let him learn bad habits while being free to be a puppy. Just because you're a puppy doesn't mean you should create bad habits. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you should be a wild banshee. You shouldn't have the chance to just run about and, and run amok and do whatever you want. It's about structure. Little Kids don't get to do whatever they want until they're adults because when they become adults, you're going to have huge problems on your hands if they're not in jail. The same is true with a dog. Little puppies, because they're a puppy, is not an excuse to be out of control because they're little puppies doesn't give them a free pass to be rude, doesn't give them a free pass to be misbehaving, doesn't give them a free pass to be inconsiderate of those around them, doesn't give them a free pass to be the center of attention and dictating what the next move is. That's the leader's role. Being a puppy doesn't mean you're the boss. So understanding that from the start makes it very simple. Just take away some of that freedom. Don't allow that freedom. Little puppies can't make good decisions. Little kids don't make good decisions because they don't have experience. They don't have an understanding of consequences. They don't understand what's going to come from their actions. So don't put them in a bad spot. Don't let them fail. So by just letting them free to be a puppy is the number one reason I think dogs go back to the pound. Because you're just going to let it be a puppy for a while. And then you decide one day, real quickly, it looks like a dog. And because it's a dog now, you don't have any control of it, and it's doing things that you can't handle. And now you're going, man, I can't. we can't have this. Well, you can't set back the hands of time. You can't go back to all, all those behaviors that happen when they're dogs are formed when they're puppies. So if you want a good dog, that you, and you said in here you want a tool, you want a tool that the dog does certain things for you, then you better start imprinting it early. Because if you don't, you're going to wake up one day with a dog that you don't have any control of because you had just a puppy and you wanted to let it be a puppy. Let it be a puppy. Let it have fun. Let it be constructive. I love puppies because they're moldable. I can turn them into anything I want. But you can't allow that to happen by just letting it be a free-willed free puppy. Let it do whatever it wants. You're going to have all sorts of issues. You're self-employed. You work crazy hours. Um... Will it be better to keep them in the truck on the job sites? I'm self-employed. I work crazy hours. I figure out with each dog, based on what's going on in my life, 
it all changes. It's, it's variable as to what our schedules look like. So it, I'm in the exact same boat as you. If you can bring your dog to the job site, for sure. I did that when I was younger. I worked construction. Uh, had a great boss. He let me bring the dog to the job trailer. I kept the dog in the job trailer. I let the dog out on breaks. Got to go to the bathroom. Got to get a little training in. Every time I went to work, I got training. Every time I went back, I got training. During the day, I get a little bit of training when I'd heal the dog out to go to the bathroom. I created training throughout the day based on what my schedule looked like, my work schedule. So if you've got the flexibility being self-employed, you can schedule your job, your day, how you want, and then you incorporate and build in training. So yes, I would 100% recommend it. Um, hard to say if you're going to be home at 3. Hard to say if you're going to be home. doesn't matter. Dog's with you. You can adjust it that way. Dogs become... Dogs like consistency. I always talk about that. But sometimes consistency is being inconsistent. You're consistently inconsistent. At least there is some consistency there. Cre create, make a point of creating things that can be consistent. Even though your str the structure of your day may vary, there are 100% things that you can control and make sure happen regularly. And, and you may have to get creative. It may be a little uncomfortable. It may be maybe makes you do things a little bit differently that ideally you'd want to do differently, tough luck. You got a puppy and it's only going to be for six months. So if you don't change your schedule in that six-month window, rethink the puppy. That's one thing. Because I think a lot of people get dogs and they think they should fit into our lives. I got news for you. You need to fit your life around that little puppies to begin with as well. You need to take it into consideration. You don't need to change your life. You don't need to change your habits. You need to change how you incorporate the puppy into that life, into those habits, into those routines, and you'll get you'll do just fine. I do it every time with every dog. I'm at a different point with work-wise and family-wise, and hell, I got a baby now. A year ago, I didn't have a baby, and you know, I, but 18 years ago, I had a baby. And so 18 years ago when my son was a baby, I, we did things a little differently. Now we've got another little baby. Well, we do things differently. But we're just adjusting and fitting in, and we're not neglecting the idea that we have a puppy. We're not neglecting the idea that we have certain things that have to get done. We just have to figure out how we're going to do it schedule-wise. Um, so, yes, I would recommend doing that. Keep that kennel with you. Keep the dog with you. So now you say you said I know the dog. You say that the dogs like stability, but it's not possible with my line of work. I disagree, and I challenge you to create some stability. Create stability in an unstable situation. You can do it. It will take work. So we just talked about that. Again, all just questions I have come up with after watching your YouTube videos. I appreciate you watching those. I think you should watch more of them. I think you should watch as many as you can. I think the series, as the series continue to develop, that continues to add value to it. Um, you know, there's there's so much stuff out there, and it's not just our YouTube, other YouTube channels. I think other social media pages, other outlets that you can gather information. The more DVDs you can watch, the better. The more books you can read. I just picked up. After meeting with my buddy, I just, he he gave me two books to read. I can't set one of them down right now. I haven't even bought. I haven't even started the other one. But since then, I just bought three more. I just went on Amazon. And I ordered three more books, and I just bought a a ten DVD set of an American field trial trainer. And I don't do any field trial training, and I don't use American training styles very often. Um, I bought a I bought a DVD from I bought a DVD series of a guy that um, uses collars and uses a completely different approach to training. He uses a lot of force, and I, I will not use any of it. I watched it all, and I'm not going to use most of it. 
But there are some things I'll get out of that I got out of it. No doubt I got some real value out of a lot of it, but not specifically what the focus of the the series was. And so I needed to understand that thought process more. I I am to a point in my life where I have realized instead of me just shutting stuff out that I don't necessarily agree with, instead of me going, ah, that's different than what I do, I'm not going to even listen to it, I'm going to be combative towards it. Instead, I'm going to go, I need to learn more about it. I need to hear more people talk about it. I need to understand it better. I need to see more people doing it. I don't necessarily have to do it, and I'm not going to, but I should know more about it. And so I feel like I'll become better at what I'm doing by understanding the other things more. So I'm doing that. So I recommend you do the same. Um, so then it, let's see. So I think you should watch as much as you can. Don't necess- Don't copy what I'm doing exact because what I'm doing exact with one dog will be different with the next and you don't always see that. So I don't recommend you replicate what I'm doing. I think you take what works for me that works that I'm doing and works for you and works for your dog and use it to use it as best you can. And then if it's not working, don't, don't find something else that does work. And then that's how you develop, I think, a style and a feel and a, a confidence in some of the things that you're approaching. Now, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So I just think you absorb as much as you can. Um, so then he says, I appreciate you taking the time to post them. And I love the way you train the dogs. So I appreciate your support with it. Um, I'm, I, I am some of these books that I'm reading right now are 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 people that I've never I had never heard of, but man, I I'm reading and hearing some of the things they're saying and I'm going, boy, he says it better than I said it. Like we feel the same way about it. He just described it a little different than I did. Boy, that makes a lot of sense. Some of it's just reaffirming. Some of it's just going, man, there there's another guy that thinks the same way. And sometimes there's value in that alone as well. So uh, he says, thanks again. I look forward to the opportunity to chat with you and use your products. Well, we just had a, a one-way chat here with a podcast that went nearly 40 minutes. So um, I'm going to send you a link to this, Brian, and I want you to, to listen to it. And then if you got questions, you can reach out and we can continue to go on it. But I think Brian's question, I hope, is valuable to Tim, Sarah, Lisa, John, Dan, anyone else who is out there that goes... Same thing, same here, same here, same here. Got the same question, same issue. I think I've found that when when one person asks a question, there's a lot of other people that are thinking it or wondering it. So um, I think there's value in people reaching out and doing asking questions and, and sparking conversations. So this is just one, another podcast. It's podcast 56, right, Ben? Yes. So we're, we've got this one. Um, Thank you, you guys, for listening. This one went a little bit longer, but like I said, man, if you read this thing, you'd be going, what? And I do think you got to break this thing down. This message had to be broken down in lots, and, and from it will create a lot more conversation um, for this person. So um, thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys following. We're going to do a few more of them here while we've, while we've got Ben in the fold. Um, we got some exciting projects. Please continue to follow along with us on not only here, but our YouTube um, at Dogbone Hunter is the YouTube channel. Our social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, those are always great. Um, those are those are micro versions of the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is something we are making a gigantic push on right now. Um, ben is working a lot of 
lot of videos to it. So we're, we're constantly loading to it. So if you would, um, we'd appreciate you subscribing to it. Your subscription to it allows us to gain a lot of valuable information and feedback. Um, I have not, I didn't realize the number of people that actually communicate using the YouTube. So I'm trying, that's another way, another place that I got to search for questions that have come up um, and getting answers out there. So it's just another, another place um, that I appreciate your patience with. But um, those are, those are additional places where you can gain some information. Those are easy for us to host some of the bigger, longer, more in-depth things. That's where we're living. That's where we literally have projects that 10 years ago I had on my list of, we need to do this. We started documenting it literally that long ago and didn't, never really did anything with. And part of it was 10 years ago, I thought we could create them into DVDs. I thought we could turn these things into videos that we could sell. And so we are, as time has evolved and we have evolved and we've realized the best way for us to help people is get them as much information as possible. YouTube has become a little bit of a, uh, a way for us to, to have this magical library of information that we can control. And, and so we're using, we're doing, we're putting stuff on there and we're working on stuff right now that in the past I would have said, how could we monetize it? How could we create subscriptions? How could we create these things that people, um, become members to, and, and, and we said the hell with it. Let's just give it to people. So we're, we're, we're taking a little bit different approach with it. Um, you know, it's something that I think maybe it's, maybe it's smart. Maybe it's not smart. I don't know, but I feel like we can't, I've, I can't tell you how many people have sent me messages in the last three weeks of wanting to send their dog to me and I can't do it. You can't send, I can't take dogs in. I'm not, we're backed up years right now with deposits for for us to train dogs for people. So I can't take dogs in and I want to help everyone who needs help. So our way of helping is let's give information to the people. Let's give the tools to the people to be able to do it themselves. I also think it's more rewarding that way. You're going to get a lot more out of that dog working with it and finding success than you would sending it to me and I'll do something with it for a couple of weeks and give it back to you. There's a missing gap there. There's a missing connection. There's a missing relationship thing there that develops when you work with the dog. And I'm not, I'm not saying this for, for effect. It's the best part about it. It is the most enjoyable part about working with and raising a dog. For me, is that part of that connection that you get by doing it, and so, and there's nothing against sending your dog off for training. I get it. It's it. I, I understand that, but I just think people. I think a lot of people do it because they don't know any other way, and if we can help provide the other way for some people that maybe want to do it, some people maybe need to do it, um, for whatever reason, that's our goal. Like that's our objective. YouTube is a great place for us to be able to help you do that. So please subscribe to that. Uh, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, I'd, I'd, I'd ask if you would. Hit the subscribe button. You'll get the new ones when they come out. And if you'd leave us a review, that helps us greatly as well. It helps us grow. Um, and I, ask, I don't ask a lot of favors, but I have asked this one a few times. I'm going to continue to ask it. If you'd share this with someone that you think it might help, share our YouTube channel with someone that you think it might help. Um, tag us into, you know, share the social media posts. You know how all that stuff goes. You're tagging people in and all that. But um, thank you guys for everything. We appreciate it greatly. Um, 56 is done. We're going to move on to 57. <laughs>